Welcome to the Odda Magazine podcast. We at Odda desire a deeper insight into the people we spend time with through a podcast featuring creatives and entrepreneurs across art, fashion, film, and other creative disciplines. Each episode highlights the work of individuals who participate in Norish culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future, hopefully one that's filled with diversity, equality, understanding, and of course, passion. Odda is a platform where self-expression, imagination, and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. In this episode, we speak with Marina Zestino, a sustainability advocate and artivist with whom we discuss how to reconcile fashion and sustainability, what steps she thinks are needed to address the climate emergency, and how to make it all fun, solution-based and engaging, something we could all take part in and incorporate into our daily lives. Whereabouts in the world are you? I'm now in Milan, but like in a little town. Do you know Brescia? Of course. I know Brescia. Yeah. Very well. Oh, well, I'm not in Milan. So I'm in Brescia and I'm going tomorrow to Milan and then I'm going to London actually uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, so tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Oh, that's I, like, fantastic. That's decided fantastic. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> What's your plan in London? Um, honestly, to chill, to hide in my house <laughs> and not do much because <laughs> my family is based there. Oh, that's fantastic. That's quite a nice way to go about it, I suppose. Then. Yeah. 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 After fashion week, I just need like <laughs> to rest. I, I think we all do. I think we all do. Um, yeah. You know, to start off with slightly more serious topics, um, you know, with Fashion Weeks now gone, well, mostly gone, Paris is still ongoing, obviously, but what has your impression been um, over the past month or so in terms of how the industry is moving ahead with sustainability efforts? Um, I think... So I didn't do much of the traditional fashion week. I went to New York, Paris, and London, but I also did a lot of, met smaller designers, went to like pop-ups that had sustainable designers. So I did a couple of shows, but not, not a lot, kind of wanted to go to cities and, and meet separate designers and different things from the usual fashion week stuff (laughs) um but to the things I did go I didn't see much sustainability which I'm a bit sad about um I didn't see it in the materials or in the shows itself and I'm not going to say which ones (laughs) but yeah but I was I was a bit disappointed given the urgency of the climate right now and and the information that all the brands have that they need to change that they need to move and become and be different and then seeing the collections and and the textiles they were using was a bit disappointed 
I think it goes also back to, I think, the spring of 2020 when Dries van Noten issued his letter to the industry in terms of what changes need to be implemented and how to move forward. You Did you see a lot of that sort of take into consideration? Um, no. So I actually didn't see this letter. <laughs> So I wouldn't be able to tell you okay, fair if enough. I've seen. Yeah. Um, um, but if you can so, maybe bullet point it out, I can tell you if I see. So the gist of it was that um, he wrote a letter to the industry in the spring of 2020 um, saying that the way the fashion industry was moving ahead was no longer sustainable, not in a sort of sustainability sort of way, but more in the long run and the way people were pu pushing out um, six collections a year was just very different. And this pandemic proved that a lot of changes had to be made. So um, did, did a lot of that yeah. taken into consideration? Um, I think I think, yeah, I think a lot of brands, not that I, I've seen during Fashion Week, but I think a lot of brands have slowed down um, and are producing less in the amount of items they produce, like um, not, not collections, in the amount of pieces they produce per collection. Um, but yeah, I mean, Outside from Fashion Week, I did see it. Within Fashion Week, I didn't see it that much. Let's turn our gaze to something that is more pertinent to you personally. Um, your first One Dress to Impress campaign in 2018 was hugely successful. And what made you revisit that campaign this year? What makes this campaign different from the first one? Um, I think it was, after all, year of pandemic um and and after like all the weird awareness around needing the urgency to change i thought um it was important to revisit uh a campaign that had a simple message that was um let's be more conscious let's see what we own we've been a year without wearing our clothes, why do we need to buy more? Why do we need to go out to the streets and just spend, spend, spend to, you know, like I thought it was a perfect timing to be more conscious and especially after two years without Fashion Week to come back with this campaign and launch it during Fashion Week and really showcase that um, the industry has to change, that we, not only for like the industry, but also the perception the, the consumer has of what it means to be part of the industry, of what it means to be on trend, of what it means to be quote unquote cool. And this idea of like changing outfits and having the new color and having the trendy shoes or the bag. Um, so I really wanted to, to showcase this on this fashion week that everyone was eager to be part or eager to see and showcase that um, we don't need so much stuff and 
and yeah. And then also I had the twist of really focusing on um, woman empowerment, um, specifically in, in various angles, but women across the industry from the beginning of the product that um, women are the, the ones producing it mostly. Um, and then how they're being paid, how their conditions are um, towards how the fashion industry makes the consumer feel, the woman to spend more, to, as I mentioned before, to be on trend, to buy these things, to feel part of the industry. And then the pressure itself of the people within the industry to constantly, the, the woman within the industry to constantly be on top of things and have people expect them to dress in a way or to look in a way all the time. So kind of to take out this pressure from women and speak about this pressure that women have in this industry that m men don't necessarily have. Yes, I mean, one of the key messages of your 2021 campaign centers around empowering women. How do you feel that conversation has shifted over the past 16 months? And do you feel that the pandemic has created a stronger need for women to lead the way across a number of sectors by using their platforms and voices to focus on the existing inequalities in the industry? I think um, the past 16 months has been very hard for women, specifically because we had the pandemic and you have all these moms having their kids at home. And at the end of the day, you want it or not, it was the mom taking care of the kid. Well, you know, like that that was not going to be taking care of care of the kid. And I think it really um, took a toll on on all these working moms and suddenly that they had to work and like take care of their kids that were at home. And then um, a lot of the industries where women predominantly um, work were shut down for longer time than, than other industries. So you had um, a lot of women um, suffering from the pandemic and during and, and having children even worsen the whole situation. So, and then, then you had all the, like I had, I was uh, locked down with my little sister and she was obsessed <laughs> about shopping. And, and it was this, at the end of the day, the only reason was like, oh, like, what are brands saying? What should we be doing? What, you know? And, and I think it's also the pressure of, of little girls going back to school and being like, oh my God, like, what am I going to wear? Like, what are, you know, like, I want to be cool. I haven't seen my students and, you know, my classmates in so long. And just a lot of pressure around women after these few months in general and in, in all ages and all, yeah. Well, looking back sort of at your background, especially your sort of interest in sustainability, 
do you also find yourself as an educator and someone who has these exchanges with people like your little sister that can perhaps alter their perception of the way we should be consuming and especially girls? Um, I think I don't really think I'm an educator. I, I love learning. I love um, kind of knowing and understanding where the problems are and then kind of breaking down that information for other people to understand it because I feel the information around these topics is very complex, is very boring, is very dense. Um, and through my campaigns, what I try to do is break down that information and make it fun, make it engaged, engaging and make it um, uh, solution-based. Because I feel, yeah, oh, sorry. Perhaps more accessible as well. Yeah, more accessible and like not only talking about the problem, what is the solution? Like if you talk about the problem all the time, cool story, but if you don't tell me what I can do to fix it, I'm not, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything because I'm not going to start reading and figuring out how to, what I can do. So um, I do think the campaigns I do are a way to teach younger generations on the solution base, what they can do and do it in a fun way, in an engaging way. And it's not like, stop doing this, but like, look at the alternatives, um, you know, instead of don't do this. And, and color is part of that. Um, that's the main reason of, of really using color because the last thing you would think of sustainability is with color or is with, you know, um, so that's really why I utilize color to showcase that you can still be trendy, you can still be on brand, be on trend without having to, while being sustainable, while being conscious consumer. Let's talk about the color a bit, because in 2018, you wore a red dress, but for this year, you've chosen a purple suit. Across different cultures, the color purple is often associated with royalty, nobility, and ambition. What was the idea behind choosing purple for this campaign, and how much does color play role in the messages on a more, I would say, deeper level? Um, so purple, it's it's also the meaning. Purple is also a color of feminism, mm -hmm. um, and I actually didn't know this until recently because I was really in between orange and purple <laughs> to do the suits um, and then when I was like um, researching about both colors I realized this and I really wanted um, yeah I really wanted to make this project not only around conscious consumerism but also focus on on the pressure women have in the industry and and as the first campaign, the first campaign was also a red suit. And the idea of choosing a suit over a dress was really to get the point across of like, your idea of seeing a man in a suit is like, oh, business forward. Um, but this idea of seeing a woman in a suit now is being more, 
more seen but I thought the idea was like I want to I want to talk business but I want to be in the fashion industry and I want to feel empowered and I want to feel comfortable and I don't want to be wearing a dress and heels and being all feminine but really choosing a suit um, as a item of empowerment to bring this message across. Being part of the fashion industry, um, how do you see the industry is moving towards becoming more sustainable and taking it, its commitments as well as shortcomings seriously? Is it all lip service or would you say there is a genuine desire to do better by both brands and consumers? I think consumers um, are every day more informed um, and are demanding from brands, are being more exigentes of the brands. Um, from the brand side, um, there's a lot of change being made, but then at the same time, um, there has to be a lot of money put into investigation and technology because if a brand from one day to another decides, okay, like we want to do it fast and let's do this, but what if what they're doing is not correct? So I think it is going at a slower pace, but there needs to be the technology and the research behind to see what exactly is the best thing we can do. What is the movement we should go towards instead of just rushing for a solution? And, and as consumers, we are demanding that change and maybe that change isn't coming quickly enough. But from the point of, uh, point of view of a brand, we want these brands to really make the research and go the right direction and not choose the fastest solution because what if the fastest solution is worse than, than what we're doing now? And with, with all these technologies, like for example, now we're doing a lot of recycled nylon. Recycled nylon still sheds microplastics. We still haven't found a way to, to recycle nylon without shedding microplastics. So great, it's, a solu it's like a solution, but is it really? Can we put more technology, more like research into this and really find a solution that doesn't shed microplastics? And, and like these, there are a thousand different um, um, things that brands are doing and some brands are taking their time to do it and other brands are just going for whatever's out in the market. And I really think um, what we need to focus on is research and really find solutions that are that, that work for everyone and share them. And that's like the most important. I feel a lot of brands are doing some stuff but are not sharing with other people. So like, cool, you're being sustainable but you're not sharing your technology for other brands to do the same. And for everyone at the end, we all live in the same planet and we all need to, to save it. If one brand is doing it and they're not sharing the information, we can't keep growing and keep going forward. As a person who works closely with sustainability, what in your opinion have been some of the most interesting technological advancements in the area over the past few years and what brands have sort of 
popped out for you personally that you feel are really doing something exciting in this sphere? Um, I've recently, um, do you know about my co-works? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, it's mycelium leather. I thought I, I recently um, um, was able to, to like touch it and stuff. And I thought that was amazing. And, and it solves a huge problem. Um, the amount of leather and not only in fashion, but just think of the car industry, the amount of leather cars have and being able to, to switch it to mycelium is impressive. Then there's this other company uh, called Air Ink, and they are able to create ink from air pollution, um, which is super cool. <laughs> so you're able to make a black t-shirt out of air pollution. Um, there's also, um, what's, um, there's also this other company that does algae and they're able to create all like, you know, the plastic wrapping that you put your food in and all these stuff um, with, with algae. And it's called, uh, give me one second and I'll find the name. Um, it's called not blah, like not plastic, but not plan. I, I think there's amazing um, technologies out there, but as I mentioned, I think we're lacking being able to share them across, like have one, you know, like a center where you go and you're a brand and you tell them, okay, I need something for leather. I need to get rid of all my, I really feel we need someone an information bank where brands can just go and and find the solutions and everyone's collaborating and everyone's putting their input of their technology their new research their new technology so we can all move forward in that way and obviously there's application to other industries as well as you mentioned previously that's not just mm -hmm. about the fashion industry but there's also well if this technology can be applied across uh, automotive industries to even, you know, you mentioned ink, for example, to even such simple things such as printers and yeah. even you know, pens. So there's a lot of cross application there. Yeah. How do you find I mean, that cross application and the importance of it? Um, I think, I mean, I think it's super important because at the end of the day, we're all using the same material just in different ways. So it's just really being creative on how we can applicate the same material to different industries and specifically like plastic. Plastic enters every industry in the world. And if we're able to um, make another material that's not plastic, that doesn't have microplastics that's really like good for the planet we can apply it to every industry 
and one like right now just with the whole medical industry healthcare industry the amount of plastic used for your mask for your vaccine for your covid test for this for that it's crazy and and no one's really looking in like for um alternative to plastic in that specific industry but i would even say right now it's one of the most um intense plastic intense industries at the moment looking back at your own journey over the past few years to the very present moment who is marino testino in 2021 and what's your raison d'etre in 2021 and what has motivated you this year um <laughs> good question <laughs> um i think i i'm still the same person pre covid um just obviously more eager to to create more challenges to create more campaigns throughout the pandemic i had a lot of different campaigns that i wanted to do that were stopped um and and also realizing throughout the pandemic the problems that there is and and what are the solutions what are fun ways to really talk about these problems to tackle them so it did um also give me some clarity sometimes to rest sometimes to analyze what what are easy solutions for people to do and obviously not looking for the alternative of plastic <laughs> but what are easy things that everyone can do at home that everyone can do in their daily life um and yeah and continuing raising awareness um linking arms with with people in the same field um and and learning specifically learning what are the issues and and how to tackle them and looking you know into the rest of 2021 and beyond into 2022 what's next for you what do you have in spirit on um i have a couple of campaigns coming up um but um i don't know we'll see what's next <laughs> I think you know, and also I actually um for there I was part of a jury of create cop 26 I don't know if you've heard of the our partner created this contest and it's called create cop 26 um and they they had applications from all over the world um to join the contest and the idea was um to create a art piece it can be music a poem photography video dance whatever you wanted to represent what climate change um was to you or how it affected you um and in part of this jury there's six other people and yesterday was the last day to to finalize and vote and i was impressed by the amount of creativity around the whole world um and the beautiful work that represents uh climate change but in an impactful way that as i mentioned before all these 
papers and documents and analysis of what's happening, it doesn't touch people. But a piece of art really makes you think twice, really um, gets to you. And, and I was really impressed by the level of, yeah, of, of work that was um, introduced and really people from all the world participated. Like I thought, obviously our partner is um, a company based in New York, Paris and London. And I thought I would see a lot of um, people from these cities, but there was people from Iran, Philippines, Mexico, um, Japan, China, impressive um, from everywhere. And really, I didn't even see anyone from France. <laughs> like I, it, it was really crazy to see how people are wanting the change and are, and are speaking up through art. I think it ultimately is a global problem and this genuinely mm -hmm. signifies and underlines the actual vastness of it and urgency. Mm -hmm. Were you by any chance in London when um, the Extinction Rebellion but, took place? Yeah, the 24th. This was a couple of years ago and I think this sort of underlines and emphasizes the same idea where it was done through art performance, through crafts and something that people could relate to. Yeah. And would you say it's important to make these things which are so complex in nature relatable to people that they can then take that back into their own daily lives and apply these things and knowledge in a very practical manner? Um, wait, sorry, I missed your question. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my question was, do you find that this is exactly the way, you know, through arts and visual? Yeah, sort of I think to then give that information out to people that can not only process it because it's incredibly com complex. You know, if you look at the artist's mm -hmm. peer report on its own, yeah, every person can process that information and it's because it's experts. But to make that information then and package it in a way that people can feel and relate to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super important um, to do that. And as you mentioned, like not everyone can process it and and make it, you know, break it down and make it simple for just to see an image and you already understand the problem and you and you feel the problem and you want to make a change. And when these, when the winners come out, like you will see the level of the work and the impact that you feel while watching it, it, it really is um, amazing. Like I had to vote yesterday and you have to work, vote like first place, second place, third place. And it really is difficult to decide which work uh, wins. <laughs> Marina, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to hear your ideas um, about where we are at the moment in terms of sustainability, but also how to provide solutions to those issues. Thank you.